answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth Financial's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are with us today as we talk about financial matters. Both myself and my co-host here, we are both practicing financial planners, financial advisors. We spend our week uh, days with people like yourself, helping them plan their financial futures and come here on the weekends, broadcast on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. So whether you listen to us on the uh, radio station or through a podcast, we are glad you are part of us and hopefully... This hour you will spend with us will be informative and educational and um, help you along with your journey with your finances. Yes, and uh, you'll learn something. And even you can go as far as to call us and ask us questions about your financial situation. And to be part of the program, if you'd like to call, one eight three three, which is toll-free. I must The 800 numbers were gone, then the 888 numbers, then the 877s, four so. Eight, so it's 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Numerically, it's toll-free, 833-999-6784. Or you can also, if you uh, just go to our, our website, allworthfinancial.com, and click on the phone, and it'll buzz you right through. Yes. Get us some schedule time and uh, easy. take easy. your call. We'd be happy to do so. And I think we are going to spend a little time. Oh, yes. A ton of time. But which I, I thought was pretty big news for our industry. And this is the Securities Exchange Commission has basically come up with some new rules regulating brokers that say that brokers now have to put their uh, use a best interest, make sure their clients, whatever they recommend is in their client's best interest. In the past, it was suitable, which has always been confusing to me. And I've been in the industry for almost 30 years. And it, it, that is always, is it not you or is it just me that the difference between what is suitable, suitable and best interest? I mean, it's not going to hurt you too bad. Suitable. That's eh, suitable. And they, they, they could afford to lose the money. So that would be suitable, so I suppose. How's the construction on this roof? Eh. Suitable. <laughs> it's suitable. Yeah. Suitable. It's suitable. Yeah. It probably will work, the roof, the construction, as long as the wind doesn't blow too much. The construction is suitable. Can you imagine building buildings and the inspectors coming out and saying, mm, suitable? I wouldn't live in that house. But in our industry, well, at least when you build a house, you would you understand that the contractor's job is to make profit off that. I, t- typically, a general would be a percentage uh, over the yes. thing. And, and then you're hoping they negotiate on your behalf. But you know all the subs are, they're going to get the product as cheap as they can. And if... Yeah, and and, and their special trips, the guys that that uh, can move enough product, these manufacturers. So, in our industry, it's not that much different for the brokers, for the brokers, for the brokers. So this best interest versus which is different than suitability, different than a registered investment advisors. So Scott, let's. Uh, do you want to talk about it now? You want to take some calls? Let's take you want to calls. come back to it? We'll come back to it because it's such an exciting topic. We are. This is our tease at yes. the beginning of the program. Yes. So you tease. are hooked now because everyone loves hearing about the Securities show. and Exchange Commission rules. This is wake the kid, call the neighbors. I don't think it gets much more exciting than that. And there's a car accident with a, a goat's roaming in the freeway or something. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember years ago uh, when we were doing the program, I think it was Sunday, and, and whoever was coming in, whoever was in the studio on that day doing traffic, he would always look for a cow. His goal was to find a story where there was a cow roaming on a highway or a road somewhere. In Northern California. Yes, to find the story to weave it into the traffic. I think he just thought it was funny. Yeah. And I, I bet there was no one on, and I'm sure it wasn't part of the, like, 
management wasn't yeah. signing off on <laughs> no, this. It was just a, it might have been his own little. See how a, long he could let this thing run for. This guy trying to keep himself amused at work. Yeah, I think that's probably what it was. Yeah. It was a long time ago. And uh, anyway, so again, to join the program, toll free, it's eight three three. 99 worth and we are in northern california with evaristo evaristo you're with all worth's money matters uh good morning good morning how are you today sir how can we help you uh, fine thank you uh i had a a question with uh several other sub questions dealing with uh, uh spousal benefits uh, from social security all righty fire away uh, I, I uh, retired last year from uh, teaching, and I'm, I am 66, I, so that means I have a pension, and a very small, if any, Social Security coming to me. My wife uh, has her full uh, amount of Social Security uh, that she'll be, she'll be claiming next year. Next year, uh, she'll be 70. All right. And so my let me let me give you my 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 three questions because <laughs> this is sort of what we've been operating on, but we need a reality check from from somebody that knows the stuff. And so one one question is: Am I eligible to claim spousal benefits off of her her account? Uh, and secondly, uh, we're assuming that I, that I am eligible. So I understand we get like 50%. I would get 50% of her total. You get the maximum. So, yes, you get the maximum of, of either your benefit or 50% of a spouse's benefit. Hers is way higher. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so the question, the second question is, will that windfall elimination provision reduce that 50% more? Third question has to do with timing. Like when, when, when is uh, do I have a deadline to claim spousal benefits? So those are the three questions in a nutshell. Yeah, and I wish I would I'd say that we were both experts at um, spousal benefits for windfall elimination uh, provisions within Social Security, but um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know. Um, I don't. Okay. I. I uh, and one of the things we'd like that we'd like to have our program where where our calls aren't screened ahead of time. So when when we answer questions, it's. You're, you're, we, you're we testing could, Scott and Pat's... Uh, but, but we could get to the answer. Yeah, I just don't know it off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah, I don't head. know it off the top of my head. It's pretty... Uh, it, the, the percentage of the population this applies to is relatively small. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah. But there is... I don't recall. I've, I, I know I've learned it before. I, I just I, don't remember the top I, of my head. My un- and I've actually narrated... We have on our website, and I don't... Have you have you listened to our Social Security website? I mean, our Social Security presentation uh, on our website, Evaristo? No. Okay. So we've got a gr- we've got a lot of great education tools on there, but one is on Social Security. We go into a lot of the different nuances, and it covers I don't know probably ninety five percent of the questions that people would have on Social Security. Um, uh-huh. I believe I was the one who narrated the thing, and I yeah. just don't I just don't recall. So, but but we're gonna we'll get you an answer. Uh, we will get you an answer on this. Okay. Yeah. Um, so just hold, stick, stay on hold. We'll get your information, and one of our advisors will follow up. And yeah, we'll get you an answer. And this isn't. We're not calling you to try to sell you on how to use our firm. We just truly, uh, I don't remember. Yeah. And the windfall elimination provision it has to do with certain pension plans for government employees where they did not pay into Social Security. My recollection is that he's eligible for fifty percent of her benefit, regardless of the windfall elimination provision. But yes, mine too. That's my recollection. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting. I'm not Pat. confident enough to actually state that it's, on the air. It's interesting to, and there might have been an opportunity with the um, file and suspend or restricted claim um, that, that went away. Yes, that might have been better planning a few years ago. I, I, if it's, there are a lot more questions on Social Security today than there were five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. It's a lot more complicated than it was. Is it? I think so. What's more complicated about it? Well, the windfall elimination provision. That's been there ever since I was in the industry. The the, the changes, the file and suspend. Maybe it's just us. Is it more complicated? Maybe you're right. It's not more complicated. I don't know. I I think people are realizing that it's a it's a lump. It's a lot of money. I mean, I know that our firm and other firms like ours, I would assume, there's we use uh, programs, software programs to help us figure out how to maximize Social Security. So that's part of our planning. But it used to not be that there would be so many questions from people. Yes. Because we get people writing questions. We have 
um, our, again, at allworthfinancial.com, if you're on its, um, I don't know if it's our learning library or what we call it. We've got something on our website where we've got a lot of education tools, and we've got something on Social Security. And if you've got questions before, you, you know, you might want to take the, the f- a few moments to, to go through that. I think it would be helpful. But we also have a workshops where yeah, Which is, uh, Social Security is the most well-attended. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. It's just... I anyway, that. well, I, let's, Barista, let's, thanks for the, the call, and... Um, we will get you the information. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, let's, and let's the, hopefully that the rest of their calls this, on the program aren't going to go the same yeah. way. And for the one other person in uh, Northern California this applies to. Um, no, there's more retired. Yeah, there is quite a few, huh? But normally, you know what I the think spouse's of, benefit. Um, here's what, you know what I think. Here's, whenever this, something like this comes up, I re- re- remember a client I met uh, in 19... 19- 1990, I'm going somewhere with the story, by okay. the way. Um, maybe it was 91. I, I worked for another firm at the time. I was introduced to this, this couple. He was, they both, she, he had retired um, principal from school. She was a retired nurse. And he was talked into taking his full pension and buying life insurance and what's called pension maximization. Yes, which was typically... A bad idea. Well, there was not enough life insurance to even come close to replacing his pension. And because the Social Security, Social Security was so small, her Social Security was so small. So we ended up at, he had passed away not that long after I had come to meet the two of them. And I remember at the time thinking, oh my gosh, I, who in the world sold him this idea of, taking the full pension. And sometimes you see people pitching these out there. Which is, they call it... It's one thing if you work for a a company that has, or you work for the, you have a, whatever municipality you work for has a, you participate in Social Security, so you get Social Security as well. But they had nothing else. Correct. So now there's not even any Social Security. There's some, but not much at all coming in Social Security. Yeah. So when you, when you go to make that pension election, if you, and... Most of the time, it's for old line companies. So, and that applies to people with windfall elimination provisions. You're Correct. not going to have a windfall elimination provision without a pension. Without a that's pension. Like, but when you go to make that selection, if you're a state or a municipality worker or an old line company, those pension decisions that you're going to make are probably one of the most important financial decisions you can make in your lifetime. No question. Because it's based on They're massive life expectancy, flows of income, your life expectancy, your spouse's yeah. life expectancy. All right. Let's uh, continue on with calls here. at, uh, And then when we'll get back to um, the Securities and Exchange Commission stuff here. Uh, to join the program, toll-free, 833-99-WORTH. Let's talk with Barbara. Barbara, you're with All Worth Financial's Money Matters with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Hi, good morning. I um, recently quit my job. I'll just be 60 this year, and I'm never going back to work. So um, I was wondering, can I still, and should I still, I guess, try to donate to one of my IRAs or um, a Roth IRA or a regular IRA that I have set up already? Is that possible? You quit working this year? Or yeah, when? 2000, w- this year. 2019. When? Um, it was April 22nd, I believe. Yeah. So you can still contribute to an IRA or a Roth IRA. Were you, were you involved in a company pension plan? No, no. Just oh, um, for one case. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, you certainly can, whether or not it's the right thing without looking at your overall financial situation, we can't. Odds are. Mm-hmm. A Roth contribution would make some sense, assuming your income wasn't too high. But yeah, and but, um, and assuming you're not taking of, because my husband's still working. Okay. So what's why why call with this? What, what's driving this question? I'm just trying to save more money, basically. Okay, so are you are you cons- are you concerned that when your husband quits working, you guys have enough money for retirement? Is that what's the motivation no, behind I this? Think actually, we will have enough money for retirement, but um, my husband is sort of like we'll never ever have enough money for retirement. But I think I go through all these little calculators or whatever, and it seems like we have enough money have, for have you retirement. Got, have you guys met with an independent advisor, the two of you together, and ran through the numbers and gone through a retirement plan together? Um, 
in the last few not years together. anyway? Not together. Okay. No. okay. I would highly recommend that. Yeah. Go pay. Okay. It, are you are you managing your own money or does someone else manage? We are. Okay. Yep. So, and do you agree on how to manage the money? Um, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> okay. I, you, you know, well, so. I have a husband who just never wants to spend anything. Okay. We, I mean, we have a lot. We have Because he doesn't want to spend anything, and that's never going to change. Right? No. Right? No. <laughs> In some part, you know, I, Barbara, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of our uh, money patterns we are born with, right? Yes. And yeah. if you have two spenders that spend their life mm-hmm. together, they end up retirement in the shambles because they don't have enough money saved. You have two savers they end up at retirement with a ton of money, but they're, they've never enjoyed any of it, and they never will. And I think really the right balance is when you have one who is not a, who can spend some and enjoy it, and the other is a saver. The key is getting on the same page and getting to understand it, just like everything else in marriage, <laughs> getting to, uh, to right. the, a point where you understand <laughs> each other a little better. That's why I really think um, uh, both of you meeting with a financial advisor and having some sort of retirement plan re- – uh, done for you because right. we've seen it a lot where people come in and they're not on the same page exactly. Uh, one wants to spend, uh, the other one's like, we can't afford to go away for the weekend. Are you kidding? I'm retired in three years. I don't, we can't mm-hmm. spend that money. And you're thinking, well, what the heck are we going to do in retirement if you can't even? Right? Exactly. It, it, it's got, <laughs> yeah. how, did you, how did you pick that up on the fact that she called and asked whether she should put money in an IRA or not? How did it get to that <laughs> where you said, what's the issue? One of the reasons we lo- one of the reasons we've done this program for 24 years is because people call with a question, and there's usually the oftentimes the real question is not what they're asking. I, we, we've mm-hmm. known this a long time. I can kind of figure it out. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, something's driving. Yeah, because the question was funny, which is, I re- I I left work and I'm never going back, but I, I feel <laughs> like I need to save yeah. some, and I'm thinking. Well, why didn't you work another month or six weeks and that would have fixed it? But but you were adamant that you were done. You see, I got that. You made that pretty clear. And really, Barbara, you know, I if I I highly recommend the two of you. It's like tell your husband, look, I love you dearly, I trust you. Uh, I'm not trying to change you. I just think it would be helpful for us to both be on the same page so we can have a little better understanding. And Barbara may be wrong, and he might be right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I yeah, but but at least if you go through the numbers together, mm-hmm. have a plan together. Kind of an independent person Third to party ask the right says, kind of questions, and it's not someone giving you mm-hmm. the answers. Kind of like if you've ever gone to marriage counseling, they're they're good at helping right, ask the right questions where you can um, right. have some discussion together. Right. And this is where I think it would be of good help, good benefit to you guys. Okay. All righty. Okay. And whether you contribute great. to a Roth, yeah, I don't think that's. Next, not yeah, if you make, want to contribute, contribute. If, if you don't she want to, can contrib- depending on their income level. Yeah, but you yes. get till next April fifteenth to do so. Just ask your accountant whether you can do it or not, and then have a big discussion with your husband and ignore the real issues. <laughs> <laughs> the secret to a long-term marriage ignore the real issues i've only been married for 34 years so. uh, th- thanks Funny. thanks for calling thanks barbara so much. okay <laughs> no there are there, there are clearly certain issues in a marriage that uh uh those little kind of areas that <clears throat> Probably are never. <laughs> there's certain conflict areas that are never going to change. Oh yeah, teenagers at home. <laughs> In laws coming to visit. Let's go through the conflict issues. <laughs> so the rest of the hour. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's certain ones you know that when that conversation comes going to come up, there's going to be emotions. Yeah. It's just how. It's Why are families treated differently than you? <laughs> yeah. All right, let's do let's go. But this is is all hypothetical. And and, you know, it's interesting to talk with Barbara because that is it is not uncommon at all that you get two people near retirement age. One is completely confident with their finances, the other is not, and it can create tension when it comes to things like going out and and having a dinner with another couple or going away for the weekend. I'll share. I'll share a story. I was working with some people not too long ago. More than enough. They could have retired years ago. One of them had a separation from service, kept getting job offers, didn't want to have to travel that much. And finally, I stepped in and said, I'm just going to start sending you a check every month. And if you want to go back to work, go back to work. And if you don't, you won't. And one was like, that's one of the, the couple said, that's great. Uh, that's perfect. And the other was like, don't send the check. Don't send the check. 
But the reality is, at the end of the day, I sent the check because they have enough money to yeah. retire. And the hard thing is, the saver, the person who's a great saver, saving, they're saving for the future. Retirement, that is the future. The, the future is now here. That's right. And it's those people, sometimes it's really hard to get out of that savings pattern. For the whole life, they've been putting wood on the pile, right? Now they're taking it off. A few years back, a couple years ago, the Department of Labor was pushing forward a provision that would require all financial advisors who deal with IRAs to act as a fiduciary, to have a legal duty, a legal obligation to put your client's interests ahead of your own. And why, Scott, would the Department of Labor actually get involved in IRAs versus the Securities Exchange Commission or uh, FINRA? Well, the Department of Labor, uh, they oversee labor. And part of labor is retirement plans, 401ks. 401ks. And 401ks, there's a provision in the 401ks that states that any sort of investment advisor on the 401k has to act in a fiduciary, has to act in that client's best interest. Right? But not so with IRA. So once somebody goes retires, whatever happened to the employers, that's kind of irrelevant at this point. And the Department of Labor, frankly, at the time, I liked the concept. I didn't like the idea of yet another regulator. Why would the Department of Labor suddenly regulate investment advisors? I mean, it's, it's, it's the, just kind of the classic... Um, Government bureaucracy that just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows, all with good intention. Yeah, bureaucratic creep. Yeah, with good intention. And I, I, I met uh, uh, Elizabeth Phyllis Borzy, Elizabeth Phyllis Philip Borzy, the woman who was head of Department of Labor. I had a discussion with her about that actually at the time, and because um, everyone thought it was going to become law, and then election time, uh, different administration, the and new it administration. went away. Yeah, they and I think actually it was a court that killed it. It was finally some court that killed it and said this, that, that they were overreact, overreaching there. Um, so this is this started with the Department of Labor and regulations of the IRAs. So then people said to the Securities and Exchange Commission, said, look, this is really – if there's an issue here, this is your guy's job. Your department needs to figure this out. You're the regulator. And if, if there's actually an issue here, you guys need to do something about it. And part of the problem with – saying anyone who is works with the investing public must be a fiduciary, is a lot of people work for firms that, that do multiple lines of business. Sell their own products. So I'll give you an example. If, you're, uh, if your broker is at Morgan Stanley, uh, they may and you're buying municipal bonds, they may recommend a municipal bond that they underwrite or bring to market. So state of California or fire district wants to raise some money, they issue some municipal bonds. They go to firms like Morgan Stanley or Merrill Lynch and they say, hey, can you package these things up and then sell them in the secondary market or primary market, right? So what same happens? Thing, same thing with companies. Exactly. So Morgan Stanley is making some money in the back end of the room by underwriting it and then making a little bit of money on the front end of the room by selling it to their particular clients. I don't think that's inherently either good or bad. It's just the visibility as to what you're paying is what's important. It, well, it clearly, it clearly clouds someone's recommendation. It has the potential to do so. Oh, there's no question. Yeah. There's I mean, if you're a broker and your firm is manufacturing these great products and every day you hear about how great this product is and that's all you keep hearing, how great this product is, after a while you might start believing that's actually a pretty good product. You've got your own biases. Yes. And then you start recommending your clients. That's clearly a conflict of interest. But that, that's how they bring product to market at this point in time. That's correct. I know. So that's <laughs> but, the problem. By, that's the challenge by saying suddenly all brokers, anyone, they all call themselves financial advisors now, which we'll talk about in a moment here. But uh, all brokers saying you're fiduciaries, that, that would kind of kill ruin that the, model. It would, it would ruin the distribution model. It would ruin it. It'd be like saying Amazon, you can't put your name on any of your own pro products anymore. You have to only sell third-party products. Yeah, it would be a, could create a major disruption. So In the industry. With the Securities Exchange Commission, rather than saying we're going to have them all act as fiduciaries, they came out and they just this just happened. Uh, three to one vote. 
the Democrat, of course, it's always party lines now. That's how it always works anymore in politics. But uh, they came out and said they uh, brokers need to act in a client's best interest. So not necessarily a fiduciary, best interest. But what's interesting in this, that there's it's it, some are stating that brokers who call themselves they're old-fashioned stockbrokers at Merrill Lynch or whatever, they call themselves financial advisors. They may not be able to call themselves financial advisors going forward. What would they call themselves? I don't know, but that's what I mean. That's what some of the, the you know legal experts are saying on this. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. They're giving to- some form of financial. I don't know how I feel about that, Scott. Well, you certainly feel good that this is a step in the right direction. Oh, there's no question. The, the more visibility that takes place in our industry, the better for the consumers. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll take some more calls. To join Allworth's Money Matters, 1-833-99-WORTH. This is Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of Allworth Financial's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. And Pat McClain. By the way, if you're thinking, aren't those the guys that used to be the Hansen McClain show? Hansen McClain has um, rebranded itself to Allworth Financial, if you have not heard. And why? Because we wanted to. <laughs> we thought it better represented actually what we do for our clients yes. in terms of tax accounting, tax yeah. preparation, uh, our relationship with estate planning attorneys, um, the fact that we have a 401k company division, the fact that we do all-encompassing financial planning. So, with, And we've grown. Uh, it's all of your yeah. worth. Yeah, all, all worth. Financial. All worth financial. It'll take a while, but yes. it's taking us a while. Yeah, People it's hard sometimes. Yes, yeah, I slip up sometimes. Yeah, but anyway, there we go. Now that's uh, why. Yeah, uh, it's called all worth. Yeah. So to be part of our program, one eight three three ninety nine worth is the number. Toll free it's eight three three triple nine six seven eight four. We'll get you on the program. You know, Pat, the um, like a couple weeks ago, it looked like the markets were selling off quite a bit they were selling off quite a bit yes and they, they blamed it on trade yes right <laughs> whatever yes it's oh it's the trade it's the china trade deals the tariffs the trade and then and, the market suddenly started rallying well and they, nothing changed on the trade well, side of things and the well and the fed said said that they would step in and possibly lower interest rates if they needed to and i thought to myself Again, are we gonna are we gonna play this thing again, where um, the Fed is just gonna you know lower interest rates? It wasn't that long ago that the Fed actually had almost no more room to lower interest rates. Remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. What well, was it? a couple few years ago. Here's an interesting stat. If you look at, I just saw this the other day, so the numbers might have changed slightly. Uh, if you look at European bonds, ten-year yeah. bonds, twenty percent of them. Of the money invested is in negative yields. Yes. It's hard to believe. Not not 10 years, all the bonds. 20% is in negative yields. So, so, what does that, so what does that mean to the average? Someone listening to the show doesn't know what that means. What does that mean, Scott, that if you're in a negative yield? What it means is as an investor, when you go to invest. And you put in Say, you know, I want to take a safe bet. I'm going to invest in my government's bonds. And I put in $10,000. At the end of that period... They give me back less than the ten thousand, and there's billions of dollars of lined up saying we're happy with that. It's a strange time. It is a it is a difficult time to invest, to say the least. It is a difficult time to invest. We're ten years into a bull market, it's always a difficult time to invest. Uh, that's probably fair. It's always scary to invest. That's probably fair. That's probably fair. Because when th- when things are going down, it's like well. Maybe it's going to get a lot worse. I'm going to wait because it's a lot. Things are bad, but it's going to get a lot worse. I'm going to wait. As an example, the markets almost hit a bear market last December. 
We were down like, tw- 19% from yeah, top to within bottom. A, within a percent. A bear market is a market that falls for greater than 20%. I don't it's, And that's just that's a label. arbitrary. Totally. But I don't, there wasn't many people throwing money in at the time. Matter of fact, if you look at flows of mutual funds, more money was coming out at that time. So it's hard to, it's always a challenging to invest. But the rest, you're right. The, the, the markets were selling off and now, but nothing really has changed other than uh, perception. Right, so the markets were almost at uh, back at the highs again. And I, but I do think that the Fed stepping in and saying that they'd be willing to lower interest rates in order to keep the economy growing had a positive impact on the markets. My my belief. Well, do you, you I don't, don't know. you don't have to share my belief. I don't. I I don't. I don't know. I, I don't it, care. Okay. Not about you or your, your beliefs. <laughs> Thank you. I don't. What I mean is, I don't. I don't think it really. It's noise. It Over doesn't. Time. It's irrelevant. Over time. Because there's always going to be bad news. There's always going to be shocks. There's always going to be disappointments. That's part of the financial markets. It's part of life, right? Yeah. So, I, I think if if people are focused on why the markets did something, then the question is, if they get if they can answer that question correctly. Then what? What would you do with that information? What would you do with that information? Well, the next shock in the market will not look like anything uh, like the previous shocks in the market. It won't. You're exactly right. It'll be different. Right. So when people say, you know, we're not going to have the same kind of financial, we're not going to have a financial crisis again because last time it was built upon this, this, this. That's true. So I met. Doesn't mean we're not going to have another recession. We clearly will at some point in time. I met with a financial advisor. What do you mean you met with a financial advisor? Uh, not, not, I, I, <laughs> I met with this gentleman that happens to be a financial advisor, right? Other firm, we were talking, and he was telling me how he had this great investment program now, now, he said, that can predict when the market falls. I said, how's that work? He said, well, it's been back-tested 20 years. So, well, what's that mean? said well you do know what that means but (laughs) okay well i wanted him to explain it to me and he said well they've taken all these things that happened over the last 20 years and figured out what causes the market to fall at any one point in time and when they see those signals in the market he takes his client's portfolios out of equities and brings them into cash or cash equivalents or bonds or at least lowers the risk and i said well how do you know it's going to work? He said, well, it worked the last 20 years. And I said, but it was back-tested the last 20 years. They didn't actually manage the money that whole 20-year period. And even if they did and were successful, you still might say maybe that was just plain luck. Correct. You might flip a coin 10 times and get heads 10 times in a row. But statistically, the next flip is still 50-50. It's not cause and effect. So um, I had the – our. so we have a number of – CFAs, Chartered Financial Analysts that work at the firm, and I had one look at it, and I said, tell me what you think. He says, oh, this? I've never seen a back test that didn't work. He of said, course, that's how you design it based on... <laughs> he, he said, it's all just marketing garbage. It's all just garbage. Because what's causing the next run-up of the market or the downturn in the market won't be the same thing that caused it last All you time. do is you look at history and look at correlations, not causation, I say, correlations to... Different market things. movements, right? Yeah. And then you say, oh, okay, there's the model. I'm going to use that as some predictive tool going forward. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, it's funny, Pat. I was this last week at a uh, conference, and sitting at the same table with me, it was a, a coaching kind of program, was a guy who, uh, he was, he was, I was over, I was eavesdropping essentially in this conversation next to me. Because I heard half a percent a week in return, total return, half a percent a week. Wow. And this guy had created this trading program, this algorithm uh, using AI. Okay, of course. AI. <laughs> Artificial intelligence. Yes. Whatever that means. It's AI <laughs> and this trading model earning half a percent um, a week. And I thought, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, this guy is so full of it. And here's why I thought that. Because we are at this this coaching program to help you kind of help build, grow your business and stuff. And I turned to the guy next to me and I said, Tell you what, if I could earn half a percent, I said I'd be sitting in my living room <laughs> amassing the world's wealth. I wouldn't be out here in Chicago for this day. <laughs> yeah, half a percent a week. Can you imagine if you ran that for four oh, or five years gosh. in a row? Kind of like the same thing about give me a penny a day and double it or whatever that yeah. old thing was, right? If you want to be a part of the program, we want to join All Worth's Money Matters, one 99 worth 
That's 833-999-6784. Let's go talk with Priscilla. Priscilla, you're with All Words Money Matters. Oh, good morning. Hi, Priscilla. Uh, most of the... Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Uh, most of the advice I hear is for uh, younger people or people about to retire, but uh, I'm in my mid-80s. My husband is in his early 90s. And I'm wondering whether we should be investing in um, cash, short-term treasuries, that kind of thing. Right now, I have we have some money in the Vanguard and some short-term treasuries. And of your portfolio, Priscilla, what percentage of it is in stocks? Uh, about half and half. And do you think you'll spend uh, at least half of these dollars in the rest of your life? No, I, I'm not counting on it. Are you spending any money of uh, uh, this investment money now, or the dollars that? The, the, no, 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 nothing, we're not. nothing. And then what's no, the? But, and I, I, I'll have a little more to invest. Uh, but and you never know. We're healthy right now, but you never know what's going to happen. Uh, and so I'm just. Where are you getting more money to invest? Are you? Do you have? Where's that coming oh, from? Oh, I have a. Uh, a a business that's had for several years and have an income of about uh, about forty five thousand dollars a year, in addition to our Social Security. And you're both still working. Well, yes. Oh, good for you. I don't think there's don't, anything wrong with what no, you got. I would not change anything. I I don't. What you have sounds perfect. And how long have you had it? Had the business? No, the investments. Or what? The investments. Oh, um, just been adding over the years. Like 20, or, 30, 40 20, years? 20, yeah, 20 years. Yeah. I, I well, ja- Jack Bogle, the founder of Vanguard, you mentioned Vanguard. So he recently passed away a few months ago. Um, he, he was in his 90s, I believe. He had, a, was a, he had a heart transplant. He had all kinds of health issues and somehow committed to continue on. But he had, I was at a conference once. And someone asked what his personal portfolio was. He said it was about half in stocks and a half in fixed income. That was the founder of Vanguard. You've got a familiarity with them. You've been with them a long time. I don't think anything's wrong at right. all. Just because you get older does not mean you need to suddenly be all that more conservative. Especially if you're not going to spend it because you're investing these dollars for your heirs or a charity. So I think the right. the portfolio you have uh, today is perfect, perfect for you. You're familiar with yeah, it. If you it said works. if you said you needed to spend all these dollars next year for something, like we're gonna whatever, then would say stocks are totally inappropriate. But just because you're in your mid 80s or mid 90s or 105, I mean, <coughs> there's no reason that your port your portfolio still has a, could have a long long. Yeah. In fact, long your portfolio doesn't even know how old you are. Good point. All righty. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I appreciate Thank you. Yeah. It's encouraging, Bye-bye. actually. <laughs> really yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. Yeah. Mid-80s? Yeah. Early 90s? Still involved in some Still business? Some business? Yeah. I have a neighbor that um, he's, he must be 86 or 87 now. Uh, runs a business. Gets up early and drives to work every day. Not to he doesn't need to. Financially, he doesn't need to. But Is he? Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, take some calls here. Let's uh, talk with Greg. Greg, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Um, hey, you might be interested to know I found your show because I was listening to a local one out in the boonies. It was the only radio show I could get, and they were selling annuities. And you guys tell me how uh, <laughs> why they always sound better than they really are. So that's how you found our show? Are you in the boonies yeah. now? No, no, just. Oh. Oh, got That's it. the only show I could get when I was in the boonies and they were selling annuities. Oh, got oh. it. Got it. I appreciate yeah. that. So, so well, what they, we they do, do have, by the way, they have a very high YTB. You know what a YTB in on an investment is, Greg? Yield, uh, take more, yield yeah, to take broker. That's high right. YTB, yield, yield to, to broker. broker. So what can we do for you? Well, anyway, I don't hopefully plan on working as long as the last caller, but um, we kind of always had our goal to retire at 55, I mean, retire in quotes, not necessarily quit working entirely, but we like to have the option anyway. And, um, you know, with the way our investment's going, not too bad recently, um, maybe even earlier, but our 
my company just started offering a Roth 401k. Okay. And I was wondering if that might be, even though I'd probably take a little tax hit now, if that might be a, something I should consider just because um, I might have earlier access to my money if I should choose to need it. Got it. And what, uh, how old are you now? Uh, 46. And what state do you live in? Uh, Utah. Got it. And how much money uh, do you make a year between you and your spouse? Uh, about two twenty-five. I don't. I can't see. Uh, what, what do you have in savings today? Um, between our taxable and Roths, it's about one point oh five million. And how much do you have in Roths of that one? I wouldn't. Um, only one hundred and sixty right now. Only. <laughs> mid forties. <Yeah. laughs> Not many people in the mid forties have one hundred sixty thousand in Roths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you need to get it on. You need to move it along there. <laughs> you're, you're doing great. You're a great saver. Great saver. I cannot. I I agree with Scott. I I don't know why you would put money into a. Um, you're in a relatively high tax situation. Yeah, right now. yeah. It, I I can't see why you would put money into a Roth four hundred one k. I mean, unless you thought your retirement income was going to be four hundred thousand a year, but I don't. It's it's because you want to retire happening. at age fifty five, and don't worry about liquidity at age fifty five. In your regular IRAs, you can do what's called seventy two T under Internal Revenue Code and provide a series of substantially equal distributions. And I assume that you have very little debt, or you're working on getting rid of your debt. Um, just uh, mortgage is all. Okay, and you want to pay that off by the time you retire, as you're probably well aware. Yeah, we only that actually expires at fifty five too. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. The answer to your question is a Roth IR, uh, Roth 401k does not make sense for you, and you're doing a great job saving. Are you contributing to a Roth today? Um, Are you? No. No, we started contributing to regular IRAs for tax purposes. And then you're converting them to a Roth, right? Not right now. We, we quit doing that a few years Whoa. ago. What? Why? But you don't get a tax deduction for your IRA contribution because you're participating in a 401k. And your income's too high. So what you want to do, Greg, what you want to do... I'm confused. Yeah, what you want to do is... How much money do you have in IRAs, not 401ks? Um, 350 in regular and 160 in Roth. But you've been... Who does Some your tax... Who does Some your, of my regular IRA come from a four hundred one k rollover. I would, not, I personally would not contribute to a non deductible IRA. I would not contribute to a non deductible. Well, Scott, IRA. Scott, I uh, here's what I would do. I would take that existing IRA, and you have a company four hundred one k where you work. I would take that existing IRA and I would push it back in. I'd push it into the company four hundred one k, all of it. I would well. There's probably some cost basis there. So I'd look. Let's say there's thirty thousand cost basis because he's not. He's been contri- contributing to non deductible IRA. How many years did, uh, did you contribute to the non deductible IRA? Um, you know. Well, most of it's four hundred one k. We only okay. did a couple years worth of right. of that since we okay. we rolling over to so, Roth every year. So here's what, and you want to take notes on this. It's a little complicated, and you want to go get a qualified advisor that understands it or at least a, a tax preparer that understands it. What you want to do is take your existing IRA, all those non-deductible IRAs, don't worry about those inside of it, so you need to know your cost basis. You're going to take that existing IRA, and you're going to move it into your company 401K. Then those non-deductible IRA contributions – you're going to convert those into your Roth IRA. Yeah, so let's say it's you've contributed $15,000 worth. You're going to take that $15,000, which is your non-deductible IRAs, and you're going to convert it to your Roth IRA, and there's going to be no tax implications. You can only do this without tax implications once you transfer the other portion into your for, company 401k. And then between now and the day you retire, you're going to put in a non-deductible IRA contribution every year for you and your spouse, and then you're going to convert that to a Roth IRA, and you will pay no income taxes on that conversion. Backdoor, it's backdoor Roth IRA. So if you if you bing I guess I it, if I you was getting a deduction on my regular no, IRA, no, 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 yeah, 
Nope. Back. Ah. So there'll be a form. There'll be a form in your tax return, fifty-three something. Fifty-three twenty-nine. That'll sh- should list what your cost basis is, assuming your accountants done your taxes correctly. Um, that'll show your cost basis on those, and that's how you can contribute. That's how you can. So I, we don't think you should be putting any money into your Roth four hundred one k. Just keep maximizing your four hundred one k like it is. But for the um, this would enable you to cause, cause contribute substantially over the next decade, assuming they don't change the rules, <laughs> into a Roth IRA because your income's too high to do it. But this is called a it's a backdoor Roth. Right. And backdoor. It, it, that's what we had been doing until a couple years ago. But so um, we also save a little bit outside of IRAs because of and four hundred one ks because of the contribution limits. Yep. Yeah. I was doing it as like an after tax. 401k, but I stopped doing that basically so it wouldn't be tied up in a retirement account and just doing it in a brokerage account. Oh, I I think that was the wrong move as well. Think so? Yeah. Because you can convert that to a Roth. Some companies allow you to do it during each year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look into those rules. Yeah, yeah. Some companies allow you to contribute after tax, and once a year you you can convert it. Even if you didn't convert it in, when he goes to roll it into an IRA, when he retires, then it converts either into a Roth or it comes to him directly in after tax. And it's not it's not uh, taxed on. You can convert that portion to a Roth. Yeah, but but uh, you may yeah. or may not want to convert it to a Roth, Scott, because he wants to retire at age 55. So depending upon what the amount there is, he might not have to start a 72T. Yeah. So listen, you, you've, listen you've got the hard part done, which is your great saver. You, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. There's things that you're doing in your own situation where you're not maximizing uh, the tax code uh, in, to okay. your benefit. Yeah, it, you'd, be, you'd benefit by meeting with a, a good certified financial planner and, and look at these things. We've got to run, Greg. Appreciate the call. We, we do wish you well. You know, it's funny, Pat. You mentioned that he's done the hard part. How many times have some client said, I just want to thank you so much? And I'm like, no, no, no. No, no, no. Don't thank me. I couldn't. Like, Scott, we couldn't have... Uh, you know, all these years we couldn't have this couldn't have happened without you. Like, no, no, no. You came in with the money. Yeah, or you you saved it. Was it right? You weren't giving him your money. Right. No, so don't. I mean, yeah. You did the hard part. He did. Are you kidding? He did a great job. Forty <laughs> six. You, you might listen and say, well, he's making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. You know how many families we see at a couple hundred thousand dollars a year that have nothing saved? Yeah. Yeah. You know how common that is. Very common. Pretty common. Yeah. You know what they call that? Big hat, no cattle. And continuing on, we are talking with Connie. Connie with Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of All Worth's Money Matters. Hi. Hi, Connie. And thank you for taking my call. I'm at the lower end, quite a bit lower than some of your previous um, clients that you're talking to. Uh, but my question is, how does one shelter our investment from long-term care, elder care. Oh, that uh, that is actually a great, great question. Um, and the reason is, is sometimes uh, people don't actually have the ability to shelter uh, from long-term care. They're going to have to rely on the state in which they live. So what does that mean? If, if Connie, how old are you? I'm 71. Okay. You can buy a long-term care policy. Yeah, but they're pretty um, I have tried that, but I have health issues that when, that said I don't qualify. Okay. And what are your how much are you married Connie or single? Yes, I am. Okay. And what's your what's the family assets you have if you add them all up the value? Um probably we're we're at a low end. Well, with our okay. investment and stuff, we're probably under under 400,000. Yeah, so I mean, you're you're in a it's it's you're in a challenging situation here. I'll be real frank with you because um, you don't have enough ass. You, first of all, you couldn't buy long term care. Yep. You tried and you couldn't get it. And even if you could get it, you may not be able to afford the premiums. Now, what exactly. some what some people do, and we're not necessarily advocating this. What some people do is transfer their assets to a family member over a period of time. Or even at once before the, the needs there, and frankly, artificially impoverish themselves so that they go on state aid as quickly as possible. But that would. But there's a five year look back, and we're not experts on 
had to do with the artificial impoverished stuff. But and the state can go back. And the other point is, you may actually need those assets to live on, and you just gave them away. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's not you, you. There's not much you can do, unfortunately. Is is it possible to put your money in uh, in a trust? And uh, would would you lose your money, or would it would, would have it would or those come after you for money it, it in de- a trust? It depends what kind of trust. So if you use your, your traditional living trust, like a lot of people have, that's what's uh-huh. called a revocable trust. Now we're not attorneys, so I'm not pretending to give legal advice here. Um, but with a revocable trust, means you have the ability to pull those assets back out. You can revoke. Yeah, the terms of the trust. So that's of no help at all. The only type of trust that could be a benefit is an irrevocable trust, which is essentially giving up your assets to someone else, and you give up control. Um, which is which is so the idea that you're going to find a magic bullet for your problem, the situation, it doesn't exist. Either you give the assets away, and then you cannot use them, or you hang on to the assets and you spend them down. As you need to, and you go on a form of medi- some. Some recommend Medi-Cal. taking your money and buying a an immediate annuity, so you give up control of your assets for an income stream. I I wouldn't recommend, I wouldn't that. recommend that either. Is your home paid off? We are. It's a mobile home, and we okay. pay rent on the land. Yeah. yeah, we own the home. Yeah. Um. So, if, if, if in order to control the assets, um. There's not much you can do about it. Okay. All right. Sorry, we didn't have any better options. Answered my question. All right, Connie. Sorry, we didn't have any better. Wish you uh, wish you well, and hopefully, um, it doesn't come to that. It doesn't come to that. Doesn't always for everybody. No. And um, so, it is a it is a challenging long term care is a challenging situation for many, and um, there's not there's just not easy answers. Yeah. For a lot of people. Yeah, really but, the, but the reality is there's been um, uh, uh, there's been an overbuilding in that sector, and there's actually now a price competition for uh, care facilities, not necessarily long-term care facilities, but care facilities. Uh, the difference between skilled nursing versus non-skilled nursing. Yeah. Well, that is all the time we've got in today's program. I just want to remind our listeners, if you listen to this through podcast, do us a favor, go and rate our – give us a review, would you, on um, – iTunes or whatever your other program is, just go and review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. And we're adding some special extra features to our podcast that you won't be able to hear through terrestrial radio. That's right. And we'll talk about that uh, next week's podcast. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. This has been Scott Hansen of Pat McLean of Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.